Hello and welcome to Falmouth Vineyard's audio podcast. We're really grateful that you're joining us today. Our vision is to see Cornwall coming alive through the hope and freedom that Jesus brings. To find out more about who we are or how to connect with us, visit falmouthvineyard.org. We'd love to hear from you. I, I didn't look wide enough on the have I missed anything and you guys will be thinking, what is this I'm sat on? So there's a little flyer that just lets you know all the dates for the summer. Um, it's also on our webpage. On the first thing you should come to should be all the summer events and dates. So um, should let you know, because we're not always going to be here. Sometimes we're going to be on the beach. Sometimes it's going to be worship night at the sail loft. Um, so lots of different things. Sometimes Kimberley Park, um, beach meetups, all different things. Creation Fest one Sunday as well. So... If you're thinking, oh, I wonder what church is doing this week, always check the website before you come, and it should always be up to date. Um, Yeah, sorry, Francesca. (laughs) Naughty me. Um, Good morning. Welcome. Uh, If I've never met you before, my name's Nathan. It's great to have you here. Um, I was walking the dog. We have a dog called Albie. Um, I was walking him down the lane I usually walk down most mornings, which generally is very muddy on one side. And uh, it's a big muddy section to the right and a nice path on the left. So I stick to the left and he goes running around the right. All winter, I have let the dog off the lead in this point and he has run through the mud. And I just think, well, I will either get him in the sea or in the river to wash him off on the way back. And a few times this winter or this during the year, trees have come down or branches have come down. We've had to move them out the way or throw them sticks for him. We've navigated fallen branches this week, it is so dry. It's like walking along concrete. It's like, wow, this is bizarre. The different conditions that we have walked down this same path in. Albie didn't even get slightly muddy, a tiny bit dusty. And I can remember walking down that path in the depths of winter, in depth of December, thinking, will it ever be warm again? Will it ever be? I can't imagine there ever being any warmth in the sun, in the sky. Will I ever be able to wear my flip-flops again? And then this week, me and Jamie went out fishing on Wednesday night. We have fished throughout the winter with various levels of success. We have stood with our thermals on, hats, gloves, hot drinks, three pairs of socks, when everything around us is frosty and frozen, catching very little. And we just looked at each other and said, can you imagine doing this in the summer? Could you imagine ever just being able to stand here in shorts and t-shirt fishing? And on Wednesday night, we stood on the rocks until it got dark, just in our shorts and t-shirts, and we loved it. It felt like a reward for enduring the winter. But those situations made me think about how we can get lost in the situations and the seasons we find ourselves in we can become overwhelmed with the season that we find ourselves in. We can lose hope and we can drift towards despair. And I felt prompted just to share hope and encouragement that the seasons change. The tide goes out and the tide comes back in again. Hope is here. God is faithful, so hold on. Reinforcements are on the way. Breakthrough is coming. Let's just pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us this incredible book called the Bible, which teaches us everything we need to know about relationship 
with you and gives us incredible guidance, incredible truth and wisdom around how we do life following Jesus. And Lord, I pray you just bring your word alive through your spirit this morning as we dive in. Lord, I pray we would rec- we'd see things we've never seen before. You would highlight stuff that we need to listen to. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that we don't just know it, but we live it, that we're transformed by it. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So um, it's funny because it feels like as well the church grows through these seasons, go through growth seasons and you go through steady seasons and then you go through harvesty seasons and then you go through sowing seasons. So the summer for the church is kind of like a, oh, let's just get to know each other season. So um, we are going to be carrying on the series on being empowered. Um, This is our Pentecost series, one last week, next week. Um, in the pen- run-up to Pentecost we, and following on from it, we wanted to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in empowering the church and equipping the work, church for works of service. So if you've missed any talks, you can catch up on the podcast or on the YouTube channel. Um, links are on our website. Last time before we met, before the camping weekend, how typical was that? That it rained on the only weekend in a month when I was sleeping in a leaky tent. Uh, Ha ha ha. I loved most of it. You know when you're like, oh, my sense of humor is failing. Oh no, I'm wet. Am I going to get wet again tonight? Anyway, we had a wonderful time despite the weather. Ruth has contracted me to say that. Um, no, it was it was really nice. Just good hanging out as a church family. Um, just kids running around playing football together, going, for a, going to the beach. So it was amazing. Next time we might try and find some accommodation next to the camping so I can sleep in the dry. And everyone else sleeping in the tent. Again, I can't, it's, a new t- it's not that old, is it, our tent? Anyway, I've re-waterproofed it because the summer storms in France are going to test it. So, as I was saying, last time we met, I spoke on prophecy. It was prophecy part one. Throughout the Bible, God's in spirit empowers people to prophesy, to speak on his behalf for specific people at for specific times in the Old Testament and then through the outpouring of the Spirit in the New Testament at Pentecost, the prophecy in the book of Joel is fulfilled and the Spirit is poured out generally on the followers of Jesus. And the book of Acts is full of stories of divine revelation, of miracles happening in partnership with the prophetic. So last time we looked mostly at the biblical precedent for prophecy and we used this as a working um, definition of what prophecy is. We said to hear, prophecy is to hear God's voice on behalf of an individual or a group. And we spent a lot of time in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, where in 1 Corinthians 14, he tells them to follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. It's pretty clear, so I thought we should look at this. So we looked at three practical tips of being a church that eagerly desires this gift of prophecy. We recognize its power for good and breakthrough, so we need good teaching and to be trained in using the prophetic gifts well. So we looked at the fact that prophecy should be ordinary, part of the day-to-day life of the church community, and not just limited to church services or small groups or gatherings. And we looked at the fact that prophecy flows from intimacy. Prophecy is primarily about listening to the still, small voice of God amongst the loud, banging, flashy noise of modern life. So if prophecy is about hearing God's voice on behalf of someone else, then a huge part of this is developing that ability to hear his voice and hear his words in the noise. Generally, in times of quiet prayer, seeking God is the time when we hear God more. 
So it follows that if we want to hear God more, we need to spend more time listening. But it's not just about quiet times. It's about being aware of his voice and the promptings he brings us in the ordinary day-to-day and then trying in boldness and in faith and in risk and getting it wrong and getting it right. So those kind of ordinary day-to-day situations where you go, just God's just giving me this nudge. Would it be okay if I pray for you? Does this word mean anything to you? When God highlights someone you might need to speak to, or it might be just to ask how they are doing. When someone disproportionately shares with you and you have the opportunity just to listen and then pray for them. I suppose at the core of prophecy, and I'm talking really today about prophecy with a small p, more about words of knowledge and promptings from God. At the core of this is recognizing that God is always speaking. And he wants to speak in order to bring hope, comfort, freedom, encouragement and breakthrough to the people around us. So Paul starts this chapter in 1 Corinthians 14 by saying, follow the way of love. The prophetic gifts and speaking on God's behalf flows from this way of love, centered in the person of Jesus, his ministry, the cross, new life in the resurrection, and his way of living. The way of love feeds this gift. And prophecy is dangerous when done in any other motive than selfless love. When it's prophecy for financial profit, it's dangerous. For personal gain, it's dangerous. Prophecy for personal satisfaction is dangerous. Prophecy when you just want to speak your mind to someone is dangerous. But if we want to grow and be a community that eagerly desires this gift and mature in using it, we need to teach about it and we need to have grace for one another as we try and as we get it wrong. So our role is to eagerly desire prophetic words in the way of love and to be open to listen and to speak. Lastly, we spoke about prophecy being weighed and tested, discerning whether it's a small word or a big life direction changing prophecy. It needs to be weighed and tested, not just by you who are giving it, but by the person or the church or the community that is receiving it. Write down words. Talk to friends and family about them. Test them against scripture and who Jesus is, his character and his spirit. Realize that we are all human. We see in part, we do in part. We are not perfect. And so we need to weigh and test everything. And I used a phrase that was highly offensive to vegetarians. Chew the meat and spit out the bones. And I can't find a vegan alternative. I'm really sorry. I was trying to work out one. I still can't work out. No, I'm not going to try now. So I gave six tests. Again, they're on the YouTube channel if you want to catch up on that that, um, talk. So as you may know, we are Vineyard Church, part of a family of churches. We don't have a tradition or a practice of labeling people as prophets, big P, because we believe God speaks to everyone. Everyone gets to play. The gift of a prophetic word or picture is given to be given away. Gifts are given to be given We are blessed to bless others. We receive in order to give. That's why prophecy is healthy in a community that gives and receives words. There's a super practical warning given in the book of James around how we use our words and a challenge on our speech and words in general. It's about having integrity 
in our speech and in our words, the way we use our tongues. James chapter 3 verse 9 says this, with the tongue or with our words we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness, made in his image. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? This isn't just about swear words or dirty words. Don't just limit this passage to that. It's the inability to control our language, especially bad language, because this reveals the state of our hearts. It undermines those other godly words that we speak. Jesus says this, Matthew 12, talking to the Pharisees, he said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Well, make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, talking to the Pharisees or the religious leaders, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man, woman, brings good things out of good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for an empty word they have spoken. That's challenging, isn't it? Or is it me? I'm just preaching to myself on this one. But if we want to use God to use our mouth, if we want God to use our mouth, our words for blessing others, then we need to eliminate cursing others, gossiping about others, slamming others, discouraging others. That was just the introduction. So we're up to page six, and it's just the intro. Let's get practical. How does prophecy work? More specifically, how um, do I hear God speak? So we all have different personalities, we're all from different backgrounds, different experiences, we all hear God in different ways. In the Bible there are a whole range of ways God speaks. So firstly, number one, if you're taking notes, pictures and visions. So images are powerful in the way that God speaks to us. It may be that God speaks to us through a picture or an image rather than a word. So in Acts chapter 10, Peter's commission to go to the Gentiles is that he saw a sheet with all sorts of different animals on. So as a good and proper Jew, he recognized that some of the animals were unclean, and yet the voice said to him to eat. God was speaking to him about his ministry, reaching out to the Gentiles, as the Jews weren't meant to associate with Gentiles. Verse 28 says, But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now I think this passage is fascinating. It's really interesting that God chooses to speak this profound direction change, this whole calling on Peter's life through an image to communicate his profound truth. And I think there is a clear challenge to us to not be dismissive if someone has a picture for us. It's also not to discount it if you have a picture for someone else. One of the key things in this story from Acts 10 is that Peter is left wondering, pondering, praying about what this picture means. He's weighing up the vision. And later it's revealed um, when the situation to go to the Gentile presents itself. We were talking about this kind of scenario in small group this week. We're often giving a picture or a word, but not an interpretation or an application. And the discipline is just to give the picture or word and not then try and force an application or interpretation. We are called to obediently give the word or picture and not try to give an interpretation. If you pray into it and God gives you that, then great. But we don't have to force it. Second, so that's the first one, words and, uh, pictures and visions. Second one, God speaks through a feeling. Now, I find this particularly when praying for words of knowledge around healing. 
that I have a feeling around a part of my body that God is highlighting to use to speak healing into someone else. So um, it might be a sudden sharp pain somewhere in your body while praying for and asking God for words and pictures. And often we'll just say it. So Ruth had it last week, if you were here, or last before the camping weekend. She started to experience visual, what are they called, auras? Where you kind of your sight goes funny. It's kind of like when you're beginning of a migraine. And now if me, I was getting that, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm getting a migraine. I need to sit down, get to bed, get in a darkened room as soon as possible. But Ruth recognized she wasn't actually, it wasn't the beginning of a migraine. It was highlighting to her people that have suffered with migraines within the church. So she spoke out that I think there might be people here suffering migraines. Let's pray for you. Three people came up and responded because she recognized in her body that God was giving her that sensation to speak out to other people. So you might find that when you're with someone that God just highlights like, oh, my elbow's gone funny. Oh, that's it's, my elbow's fine, but it's just in that situation where you're like, oh, actually, is God releasing healing in the room just for people with elbows? With elbow, we've all got elbows. <laughs> Scrub that from the uh, edit, right? In the mental note, edit this, whatever that was. Ten no, um, with pain in their elbows is what I meant to say, obviously. Um, so apologies if you have only got one elbow. Um, now, so that's. Whatever that was, seven speaks for a feeling. That was two. Number three, God speaks when we speak. Now, this is an interesting one. Ruth and I recently celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. Well done, Ruth, putting up with me for 21 years. Um, I know what you're thinking. I don't look old enough. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, uh, anyway, we had a series of meetings with a couple in our church. We were up in Nottingham at the time of pre-marriage prep. Um, they were just a regular couple in the church. They weren't the prophets of the church. They were just a lovely couple who opened up their house each week, about three or four weeks maybe, had dinner with them. We weren't talking about prophecy. We were talking about marriage prep, like how are you going to do your finances together? How are you going to cope with your in-laws? How are you going to cope with how messy Nathan is and how the fact that he doesn't do the washing up till the next day. Um, these kind of things that bring massive arguments. How, how many dishwashers are you going to buy for your first house? Those kind of things. Um, the practicalities of adjusting when you just got married. Um, so the guy, normal guy, completely normal guy, started speaking. And I can't even remember their names. But as he spoke, it developed into a prophetic word for me that I've honestly, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like it since. Um, he effectively spoke over me that our marriage would be the beginning of spiritual transformation and spoke leadership over me. But it was as if he went into another gear. It was as if when he started speaking, God just put power on his words and he just launched into this whole prophetic thing. Now, I don't think he'd planned to say any of that. I think God spoke to him at that time for me directly. And it's almost like our mouths go into autopilot and God is directing it. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Never had it since or before. The guy went from speaking normally to speaking with direction, authority, and divine insight. We were always looking at each other going, what just happened? Because that was, that was God speaking directly to me. It was an incredible moment. 
God spoke to him and directed the words that he, as he started to speak. 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human world, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's that sense of being carried along by the Holy Spirit and speaking out of that overflow. There was a sense of, yeah, being carried along by the Holy Spirit in his words. It's not something you can manufacture or try to recreate, but it also doesn't mean you have to accept it. There's still a responsibility to weigh and discern what is said. So that's number three. Number four, we hear God speak. Now, this isn't usually the clear, undeniable, booming, thunderous voice of God we hope for and see in the films. It's not thunder from heaven. It might be a whisper, a thought, or a word. The way I think about it is if I'm specifically praying for someone, and this is the best place to learn prophecy is through praying for someone. If I'm specifically asking God for a word for someone and asking God to speak to me for them, and then a word, a phrase, a picture, or a passage comes into my head, and that is encouraging, comforting, and strengthening, it's not heresy, and it aligns with what it says in the Bible, it aligns with the character and spirit of Jesus, then I will share it with them. Because I have been praying for them. God has put this thought or word in my head, so therefore I will humbly say to them, I think God might be saying this, or does this word make any difference to you, or could God be saying this to you? It, weigh it up. It might just be the pizza I ate last night, or it might be for you. Take it or leave it. It's, it's, there's a responsibility in the person receiving it as well. I won't say, God has said this to me for you, or thus says the Lord, or God wants to say this to you. I will very humbly say something along the lines of, just felt this word might be significant. Should we, can we pray into that? Or I might pray into the word while we're praying for the person. Just say, does God, has God got any more for me for this person? Was there any insight into this? might pray on that theme of the word rather than speaking out so if you're praying for someone and they're like oh i just the word god gives you is um brokenness you might not say do you know what god's just giving me a word brokenness you might just say you might just start praying into that theme and just seeing what god brings it might be a signpost on how to pray rather than something that needs to be shared directly lastly this is not an exhaustive list this might be number five i think um God speaks by you knowing something that could only have come from God. Almost like a classic word of knowledge. Jesus models this again and again. Um, with the Samaritan woman at the well, it just says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, that wasn't gossip that Jesus had heard on the grapevine. He hadn't been hanging around the well and heard that. That was a divine word from God. He knew, but then again, he was Jesus. We are not. So we still have to be aware that we might absolutely get this wrong. We might absolutely get this wrong. So just because you might think you have a word or a knowledge of knowledge for someone's life or their situation, their motivation or their thoughts, you still have to give that word in humility and with grace that you may have got it completely wrong. So in Acts chapter 3, and I love this story, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And there were beggars that would line the path they would walk past to get to the temple gates. And they were hoping that generous worshippers would share some of their money and take pity on them as they and give them some of their change. 
um, Acts 3, um, verse 3, just says this. When he saw, the beggar saw Peter and John about to enter the temple gates, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He had never walked before. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple, walking, jumping, and praising God. She's been mulling this story this week. I think the key verse, the key part, which I find absolutely fascinating, I love, is the fact that instead of getting financially blessed, his whole life is transformed and turned around. The key verse for me is verse 4. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. This is so powerful. Not just about how we treat people who might be asking for money on the streets, but how we do life in general. Peter looked straight at him, eye to eye. What did he see? He saw a lot more than just a beggar who had never been able to walk. He was a lot, it was a lot more than someone that just needed money. He saw more than someone just sat head down, calling out the same thing whenever he heard a person walk past. He saw what God had revealed to him. He looked and saw in faith this man's potential. He saw this man's identity in the kingdom of God. He saw hope, he saw breakthrough, and he saw healing. He saw this man being restored. He saw what was possible in the life-changing name of Jesus. So maybe God is speaking to you on someone else's behalf this morning about someone else's breakthrough, potential, healing, restoration, even salvation. He's just highlighting to you, just putting their name on your heart that you would pray for them. And the next opportunity when you see them, you say, look, I've just been, God's just been really highlighting to you, me, you to me in this week. Maybe God's speaking to you directly in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. What an incredible story and a challenge. Interruptible lives. Would we lead interruptible lives where we don't just plow on, on task, through the town center or through the day, but we would be interrupted by people that come in our, in, across our paths? That we would be aware of what was God was doing in that situation to know the potential for the kingdom to break in. That we wouldn't just be so focused on what we've got on our to-do lists that we miss what's on God's to-do list. And then we'd actually see people face to face. See the potential that God has for them in the kingdom rather than just humanly writing people off or humanly just drifting past. That we would see the potential of what God has got for them in the kingdom of God. It's challenging, isn't it? Let's stand. Let's pray.